0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Al Baker, and he is with Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship as an evangelist. Uh, Pastor Al, it's wonderful to have you on with us again.
1: Thank you, Dan. It's a great joy to be with you. I always enjoy being on your program.
0: <laughs> I, um, I'm i on your mailing list for a wonderful devotional by the name of Forget None of His Benefits. And uh, if we use initialism, that's F-N-O-H-B, which happens to be the name of your website, uh, fnohb.home.blog, and that's where you post these wonderful devotionals, Forget None of His Benefits. Um, One of the most recent ones has to do with Jesus, during his early Galilean ministry, coming across a man with an unclean spirit. And Al, can you kind of peel the layers of the onion on that wonderful account and help us appreciate it better?
1: Yes, I'd be happy to. Yes, uh, Dan, that's Mark chapter 5. And of course, uh, Jesus at this juncture is in, as you mentioned, his early Galilean ministry. He probably spent at least a year. At that ministry, it's also recorded in Matthew chapter four, and uh, we get a little bit more detail there. And he set up at Capernaum, which is on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, he he went uh, to to villages and towns within a one day walk of Galilee. It seems, and there was at least 150 of those towns or villages there, and so he spent a lot of the time going around uh, preaching the kingdom of God and healing people of disease and casting out demons and saying that the kingdom of God has come near you. But then he does something interesting. He gets in a boat with his disciples, and he goes across the Sea of Galilee from the northwest shore of Capernaum to the southeast shore of what some call uh, Gerasa or the Gerasenes. And uh, we know that Jesus never did anything in a haphazard manner. There's always a reason for him doing so. So he goes to this area, and uh, we know that these are people who, as Ephesians 2 puts it, are strangers to the covenants of promise, um, having no hope and without God in this world. They were Gentiles. They were pagans. They had no real God. They had no Bible, no, no Old Testament. And the reason we know that they were Gentile pagans is because they were pig herders. Well, now we know that Jews would never raise pigs, and so that's how we know. Right. Yeah, so not only that, um, they were uh, also, we know from history, under the oppressive boot of the Roman Empire. And uh, they were occupied by the Romans, and they had very little freedom. But it's still at the same time, people have a way of, eking out a living and making the best of the situation. So, these pig herders apparently were doing pretty well, because they were probably selling salted pork to the Romans for the Roman soldiers to eat when they're out <laughs> on their their you know on the, their duties and so forth. So that's that's uh, that's kind of the background. And then when Jesus gets to the shore, he sees this wild-looking man. We, we know that he was naked because later on we're, we're told that he was clothed, so he, he was naked. We also know that he had uh, shackles and chains broken, hanging from his wrists and from his feet. Um, we know that uh, he was by himself. He was a loner. He was probably like uh, what we see sometimes in, in today's culture, where a family might have a, a son, uh, who is um, uh, addicted to drugs or alcohol, and the family's tried to help him from time to time, and but eventually they get to the place where they say, you know, we can't help you, and they 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 distance themselves from him. And so that's probably what's happening here. This man may have been possessed for quite a while, and besides that, we know that that he was demon possessed more than anybody else in the New Testament is ever uh, mentioned. It says later on that he had a legion of demons in him. So, this man was the demonic possession of this man was over the top, uh, beyond the pale. He was in serious trouble. And uh, not only that, but he was also one who was incredibly strong, preternatural strength, we might say. Again, he was able to break chains, we're told by Mark that nobody could keep him down. And perhaps you've seen or your audience has seen men who were. Uh, under the influence of drugs, and they were being arrested. It took four or five policemen to hold them down. That's the kind of thing that yes. was going on here. And then he also was self-destructive. He he, gnashed, he gashed himself with stones. So there no doubt were were wounds all over his body, uh, probably infected or septic sores, oozing pus. I mean, it was a bad scene, and that's what. That's what uh, Jesus sees. And this man sees Jesus from a distance. He runs up to Jesus. And we're told that he was screaming at the top of his lungs. He wandered amongst the tombs. And tombs were considered by the Jews as a a place that was unclean, so they would never go there. But Jesus did. He immediately went to that area. And this man is running up to him. And I've got to tell you, Dan, if, if I saw somebody naked, Screaming at the top of their lungs with shackles hanging off of them, then I would probably <laughs> back back away a few steps. If you know what I mean, that's right. But Jesus did not. He stood right there, and then the man was sort of a spiritual schizophrenic, if you might. He said, uh, "Jesus, Son of David, why are you here to torment me?" And and yet he, he so he's screaming, and he but he falls at his at the feet of Jesus, and he calls him Jesus, son of David. So he knew who he was, and and I kind of liken that as a threat. It's kind of like somebody might say to you, Dan, I know who you are, and I know where you live.
0: That's right, yeah. So
1: it's a a threat. But Jesus is not the least bit intimidated, and Jesus begins to cast out the demons, and then uh, Jesus says, what is your name? And he says, Legion and we know that uh, cuz there are many so there are many demons in him and also the word legion uh, we speak of the roman legion the roman mm-hmm. army and they were they were set up in, in a structure they had 600 foot soldiers and 120 horsemen that made up a that made up a legion and so this man had seen these well organized uh well disciplined soldiers everywhere and so the demons, the demonic world, is very organized. They uh, they're not divisive. You know, the church a lot of times is divisive. You never get the impression the demons are divisive. They're always together doing their their wicked trade. That
0: is uh, that and, is an interesting observation.
1: Yeah, and so that's what's happening. And then Jesus is casting the demons out, and the man says. Uh, don't the demons say don't cast us out of the country cast us into the pigs now that means that they understand the authority of Jesus Jesus can do whatever he wants <laughs> and mark and mark is mark is pointing out to us the power and the authority of Jesus he wants his Uh, readers to understand the glory and the power of Jesus Christ over the demonic world and over everything else. And so Jesus says, fine. I won't cast the demons out of this country. I'll cast them into the pigs. Mm. Then the pigs uh, rush down the shore into the water, and they're drowned, and we're told there are about 2,000 of them.
0: Th- that's a large. Answer. That's a very large number. It, at first, in reading, you'd say, "Well, maybe it was five or ten pigs, but two thousand? Can you imagine? That's a huge number."
1: It really is, and um, and obviously, uh, you know, the pig herders are not too happy. Their income stream, the revenue stream, has just lost, left them. Uh, it drowned in the sea, mm. and I think it's. A, I think it's a, a very instructive and powerful picture what Jesus was doing for this man it was saying, not only have these demons been cast out of you, but they'll never bother you again. They're gone. Amen. And it shows you the power of Jesus. And then of course, what happened after that is they, uh, uh, uh the pig herders went into the city, the surrounding area and told everybody what had happened. And the people came and they were terrified. Who is this man who has that kind of authority? And then they, then they said, Jesus, you got to leave. And now, you know, it doesn't tell us why they left, but if you really think about it, the revenue stream has been done away with. Yes. Leave because what else are you going to do to destroy our, our our economy, so to speak? But it shows you the power of Jesus and his love for people.
0: Yeah, it really does. Um, as you're describing this this true story, this true account in Scripture, I'm sitting here thinking... I wonder who else has been blinded by Satan. That's even in our listening audience today. Who, who really wants to be delivered? You know, and I don't mean to sound overly emotional in my approach here, but I do believe that uh, Satan uh, does work in people's hearts even today, and the power of the gospel is infinitely greater than the power of Satan, if you were to speak to someone who needs the Lord today, uh, what would you say to that person? I know each person is different.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I would say to them that there's, there's nobody beyond hope. And you look at this man again, this was not your normal, uh, run-of-the-mill, demonic-possessed person. Jesus went very specifically to this man, Jesus was omniscient because He's God, and so He knew what He would find there in the tombs. And it's and He went because He wanted to sh- manifest His incredible power over over the demonic world. So He took the hardest case He could possibly find, and and I there's nobody in your listening audience, I feel sure, who would be as far gone as this man. Mm. And so if Jesus could could uh, set this man free, he could set anybody free. And I think what it what it comes down to is is a willingness to say, Jesus, would you help me? Would you deliver me? Would you set me free? And I believe he'll do that if people will humbly f- seek him and bow down before him and believe on him. I believe he can do that.
0: Yes. You know, I, I often think about... Um folks today how that those who hate Christ who are out to try to destroy Christians or whatever um, well they'll, they'll never get too far because Christ ultimately wins but uh, they don't realize that at the time and their life is, is very, I want to say suicidal. It's like they're fighting against the very nature of God and the laws of God and you can never win. you can have short term battles that you win, but you're not going to win the war it's 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 very interesting for me to think about how that um life without Christ is basically suicidal, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is, um, and we see that everywhere of course um, you know again and again in the Bible we find the 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 requirement to believe. And to obey him, trust him and obey him, you know, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey it. And um, that's true. And whenever in God, you know, Deuteronomy 28 makes clear that uh, the first 14 or 15 verses that if we obey him, then he will bestow great blessing upon us. Blessed you'll be in the city and blessed you'll be in the country. But if we choose not to obey him, then it's not going to go well things eventually things will unravel and we see that in all our lives to some degree um but especially those who continue to live far from him and you know some might have what we call common grace and live a pretty nice life and be a nice respectful uh parent and uh, neighbor and so forth but um in the end because they've not called upon the name of the lord they will suffer eternal separation from uh, from God and, and, and hell and which is a horrible, horrible thing, and, and as I often say, no one has to go there because Jesus went there for us first That's He died right. and, and took uh, our sin upon himself, so if we just turn from our sin and trust him, he will forgive, and he will cleanse and he will empower
0: now, I want to uh, form a um, um, kind of a kind of a funny um, picture in people's minds. Now, this man went off, um, and he, he got his smartphone, and he hid back in a cave, and he just watched a bunch of videos. <laughs> um, yeah. No, not at all. Can you tell us what this man did, now that Christ had saved him?
1: Yeah, he uh, he immediately said to Jesus, can I get in the boat with you and go across with you and be one of your disciples, which Mm. is what always happens when one is radically saved. We immediately know that we've been set free, and we feel like we must somehow or another tell people about what he's done. Now, if people are like me, sometimes we grow cold in that and As time goes on, perhaps we take it for granted and we forget really what we were like before we were converted. But the true believer, when he's saved, he's so rejoicing. He can't help but tell people about what he's done. And sometimes we're not real smooth with it. You know, sometimes we're like a bull in a china shop and, you know, we need to learn to be a little more gracious and winsome. But nonetheless, uh, we can't help it. And so that's what was happening with this man. But Jesus told him something very interesting. He sa- In essence, he said, no. He says, go to your home. And his home would be his people. Mm. The Greek word is oitos, household. It's used 106 times in the Bible. And in that, in that uh, culture, in the Middle Eastern culture, and in, in fact, in many of the cultures around the world, like in India or Africa, Your household is very, very important. We tend to be individualistic in our country, but not in other parts of the world. They're very, very home, family oriented. And um, so he said, go back to your people and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And I think and so that's a command that Jesus is giving all of us. It's a very simple command. Go. And uh, um, what happens a lot of times in the church today, Dan, is we think, come to the church, come and hear my preacher, and maybe you'll get something out of it. That's not the picture in the Bible.
0: The picture in the Bible
1: is is not come to my church. The picture is go to the world. Yes. We've got to go to the world. and. And so, uh, and go and tell your people what great things the Lord has done for you, which, of course, begs the question, what are those great things? And mm. we could go on and on and on for hours about <laughs> the doctrine of salvation and all that that means, but those great things he's done and the mercy that he's had upon us. You know, mercy means not getting what we deserve. We deserve hell. But we're not that's getting right. hell, we're getting heaven. That's right. So that's the, that's the command. We're, we're to go to people with
0: the gospel. Today, we're talking with Pastor Al Baker. He's with Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. Um, he was a founder of a church up in the Northeast, and he's been to other churches, and now he's um, doing much evangelism, and he's seen a lot. Um, and this article was titled, Are You Educated Beyond Your Obedience? And that caught my eye. You know, it's, uh, Al, sometimes. Often we can have a lot of head knowledge, but if we don't have this true relationship with Jesus and then a willingness to share the good news, we're not doing the job, are we?
1: No, that's that's right. And um, again, as you're alluding um, to the to that issue, we've never had more information than we have now. Bible colleges, seminaries, the internet radio television youtube on and on and on it goes and you know a lot of the stuff on these these uh platforms are not very good but a lot of it's very very good there's a lot of really wonderful material out there um uh, and and even our sermons tend to be uh more of an information um communication than really expecting much to happen with it and, but that's not what you see in the gospels or anywhere in the bible for that matter The prophets and the apostles of the Lord Jesus are commanding us to do something with what we know. But I think sometimes we are educated beyond our obedience, and we have all this wonderful teaching from our churches, our pastors, and so forth, but we're not obeying him. We're not doing what he said. And I really believe that every time we read the scriptures and every time we hear a sermon, we should say god what is one thing you want me to do with what i've read today yes. we should we should read the word and then we say what is that one thing and i want to obey you today and then share what we've learned with other people mm. and uh for you know for example i was reading this morning at, at the end of second kings and uh, you know it's talking about how the babylonians came in and eventually uh, tore down the wall, tore down the the uh, temple, and took all the gold and silver and bronze out of the out of the uh, temple and I thought how sad, and it all ha they because of their idolatry and their unwillingness to repent, they lost everything and i said god i don 't want to fall into idolatry i don 't want to lose.' What you've given me. And I don't Amen. mean we're not going to lose our salvation, of course, no. but just lose the blessings that we have. We don't want to lose that. So, you know, we want to learn to obey what he tells us to do.
0: That's right. The article is Are You Educated Beyond Your Obedience? It's found in Forget None of His Benefits. And today we're talking with the author, the Reverend Al Baker, um, to read more. It's found at FNOHB, and that's kind of uh, initialism for Forget None of His Benefits, fnohb.home.blog. And uh, you can sign up for these wonderful devotionals from Pastor Al. He'd be glad to put you on a mailing list. What, Al, do they, they come out, I believe, once a week?
1: yeah I send them out on Thursday morning about uh i think it's nine a m eastern time yeah. and uh yeah so that's they come out every week
0: now um God has given you a a heart for evangelism, and we all need that it it's not just specific to al Baker um God is calling us to this folks um and uh al, you talk about towards the end of your article. Um, something called an elevator speech, quote-unquote. Can you tell us what, what's on your mind there?
1: Yeah. You know, if you look, you look in the book of Acts, you see at least three times Paul gives his testimony of what God did in his life. And isn't that what Jesus is telling this Gerasene demoniac, as he's referred to? He says, go and tell people the great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And that's what Paul's doing. So we ought to be able to get down, and when I, when I say an elevator speech, you, you get on a, you're getting on an elevator, and you, you punch the 10th floor button, and there's a couple of people in the elevator, and you're going up. You've got 30 seconds. <laughs> well, you should be able to get the gospel down in 30 seconds. And, and what I mean by that is I don't necessarily mean going through the front door and saying, now, buddy, are you saved? Uh, I mean just saying, let me tell you, I, if you don't mind – I want to tell you what great things God has done for me. I used mm. to be lost. I used to be this way. And I met Jesus Christ 30 years ago. And here's the changes he's made in my life. But I've had trials in my life, and he's given me strength anyway. And I just want you to know that. Mm. Yeah. And we can say that in 30 seconds. And we could say that all day long. And, and what that does is people, when they hear that, they might say, "Oh, well, that's good for you, but that's not for me." But we all know that sooner or later, people are going to have some trouble, and if they've heard stories like that, then especially if they know you, then they're going to come back to you at some point. And say, "Hey, I but could you maybe help me a little bit? <laughs> you know, you sound like a religious person or whatever." <laughs> and and we just need to get, and anybody can do that. And and they're not going to, they're not gonna challenge you intellectually because it's your story. They can't do anything about it. It's your story. And I think and that's exactly what's happening in Mark 5.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, before I, we have to hang up here, Al, one more thing. Um, I, I get the sense that we're close to uh, losing our constitutional republic here in America. And the fundamental problem has to do with the heart of man, doesn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. You know, uh, I, I wrote something a year or so ago about uh, the very fact that every dynasty ends at some point. We look, think about the uh, Medo-Persian Empire, the Roman Empire, the British Empire. Uh, British, The British uh, are still there, of course, but that empire they once had they've lost. And so we've been around for 200 and 40 years or whatever it is, um, but the the, the, the uh, empire is going to end at some point. The dynasty is going to end at some point, but I think a lot of Americans think, well, this is going keep going on forever and ever. <laughs> well, no, it won't. No, it won't. It won't. It's it's not, and I don't know that, you know, I don't know that this country is going to be invaded by the Chinese and taken over and all that. It could. But I think it's uh, what we're doing is we're crumbling from the inside, and I think it was That's John it. Adams who said that a republic will not stand if it doesn't have righteous people. Mm. You have, if a, a, if you're going to be self-governed, you've got to be righteous, and we're not righteous, and this is why we're breaking down. And it's a very tragic time. But again, this is where the gospel comes in, and this is where Christians have to live out their faith wherever they are and yes. be bold. I I don't you know I don't mean arrogant, but I mean you know, bold but gracious all at the same time because we've got the truth and and to pray for God to do a great work is you know, there's always hope in Jesus and we always Amen. have to look to him.
0: Amen. And pray that God the Holy Spirit will lead you to that person that you need to talk with today. And the next day and the day after that.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Pastor Al Baker, my brother, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's always a pleasure, Dan. May the Lord continue to bless you and your ministry.
0: And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Let your kingdom come. My cross is lifted over us. We journey in its light. We follow as you guide.